0: Uh, friends, we have a group going to the Czech Republic and in the first service uh, we commissioned them off and in this service they are over in Shakopee and Matt will be commissioning them over there. But if you don't mind, I would appreciate it if we would just take a moment and pray for them and their trip. You can see the dates up there and though we're taking the time to commission them right now, We also want to remember them throughout their trip. So would you join me as we pray? Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you. We ask, oh Lord, that you would be exalted and that you would be lifted up. We pray for uh, this team that is going over to the Czech Republic. And as they're over there uh, for two weeks, Lord, there are no doubt going to be things that go exactly as planned and there are going to be things that don't. And in all of those things, I ask that you would be glorified, that you would use them individually and corporately in their lives to draw them nearer and nearer to you, that they would be able to boldly proclaim your gospel and that it would be seen and it would be heard, that the words that are spoken would match the lives that are lived, that the lives that are lived would match the words that are spoken, that each Person on this team would have a sense of uh, divine guidance, of direction, of clarity. I would also pray for each person on this trip that it wouldn't be about this trip, but it would be all about you. Regardless of being in Czech or being here in Minnesota, that you would be glorified in their lives, that the lives that they live would be consistent with the gospel that is proclaimed with their words. Lord, we think of those that will be receiving them over in check and the unique cultural differences that are no doubt will be present. We pray that you would give peace, that you would give clarity, that you would give a measure of grace and mercy with all members on this team and those that are receiving this team. We also pray for those you have been preparing that there would be an opportunity, Lord, to plow the ground, as it were, that there would be opportunity to plant seeds, that there would be opportunity to water those seeds. And over the course of the last 20 years, we recognize that there's also a harvest that's ready. Lord, would you help to harvest that those who have you have been preparing would receive you would respond in faith to you and that you would boldly be proclaimed we love you we thank you and praise you we ask that you would be glorified and honored and it's in jesus christ precious and holy 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 name we pray and all god's people said amen amen well i'm kenny white i get to be the Shakopee campus pastor And uh, Pastor Matt and I get to co-pastor here at Friendship. In fact, we often office out of the same place, and uh, we give each other a hard time a lot, but pray for me because uh, he's relentless. I'll just say it that way. Uh, I'm clearly the victim. And so uh, if you would be in prayer for us as we lead, we love it, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's so much fun. For us to switch campuses from time to time. He goes over to Shakopee and fixes things. I come over here and see how things are done. And it it works out really great uh, for all of us. So, uh, again, thank you. And with a heart to get to know each other a little bit better. I wanted to introduce to you a couple members of my family. This is Pippin and Mary. They're cats. Uh, Here's what I love about these two. Pippin. Uh, He is the social one and if you come over to my house sometime he will come up to you and he may even purr and he will lay down at your feet because it is too much work to jump up on the couch just that is Pippin he's he's fat and Mary is she doesn't like people. Uh, She just doesn't. She tolerates some people. Many of you know Lily. Lily is her favorite right now, and so Lily gets a special dispensation in Mary's world, but the rest of us, uh, she doesn't like. So, if you were to come over, you'd never see her, but I do want to point out something about these two. Uh, Mary is particularly fluffy and looks bigger than she really is, but the two of them if you were to pick them up, it would become very clear that Pippin is about twice the size of Mary. Now, there are a couple of reasons for that, but the primary reason is what you may guess. Pippin eats a lot. Uh, he, loves to, he loves food, and he will eat all day if we let him. In fact, he helps Mary out if she walks away from the dish and there's still food in it. He's kind. He's good. He'll eat it for her, and he does. Uh, he loves to eat, and he's twice the size of Mary. Now, here's why I bring this up. Because what we feed grows. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what are we feeding? Are we feeding the spirit or are we feeding the flesh? Now, when I talk about feeding the flesh, I, I don't necessarily mean literally. It, it, it could by implication mean that. But more specifically, it's the lust of the flesh. It's the pride of life. It's the lust of the eyes. It's that world system. Are we feeding that? Because if we're feeding that, it will grow. If we're feeding the spirit, uh, the spirit will grow. As we've been going through Romans over the course of the last year or so, we've gone through the first 11 chapters prior to the start of this series. In doing so, we talked about mm, the why. So we talked about... uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew and then to the Gentile. We've uh, studied those scriptures that, that go on to say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Not, not just that, but all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, uh, that we would be saved. And and we've studied that in those first 11 chapters. We recognize that nothing can separate those who are in Christ from the love of God. Beautiful passages. And then there is a hinge in chapter 12. And at that hinge, things change. Where we begin to talk about God's righteousness lived out in his people. So there there is a change from... From what and why to now how. how? How are we supposed to live this out? And, and so I want to go back to that passage in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and look at it because it's a hinge piece. It, it takes us in kind of a different direction and it holds the book together. So if we would be willing to look at this, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So this is the, these are the believers in Rome Uh, He wants them to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. It's not one and done. It is constant and it is consistent that we are sacrificially giving ourselves to the Lord. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Like this is more important than what's going on in Jerusalem uh, at the temple. Then he goes on in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life but be transformed so that there is a change in form by the renewal of your mind. That there is a spiritual element that happens in our mind, that as we feed our mind, there can be a transformation that occurs. If we feed our mind the flesh, then we will grow in the flesh. We'll get really good with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Or if we... feed the spirit, will get really good at trusting God and being obedient with him. That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Today, we're going to walk through Romans chapter 14 together. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to use your Bibles and to turn there. Uh, We'll also have passages up on the screen. But I, I, I want to share with you this, that in in this passage, throughout this passage, we're, we're going to see three distinct movements. The, the first movement is a movement about judgment. And, and as we talk about judgment, you might go, you know what, there's some areas there that I haven't been following the Lord in. And you'll have an opportunity to confess that to the Lord, to repent and to turn to him. there be an opportunity to talk about honoring the Lord or a phrase that we'll use a little bit later is consecrate. And you might say to yourself, you know what? As I look at the scriptures, I recognize that I have not really been following the Lord. I I do what I want to do and that's about all I do. And if so, there'll be an opportunity at the end for that to be confessed to the Lord and to repent, turn to him. Additionally, there'll be an opportunity uh, to discern God's plan. And in discerning God's plan, uh, you'll be able to go, hey, wait a minute. I I haven't been that discerning, perhaps. And if that is the case for you, there'll be an opportunity to confess that to the Lord, to turn to him uh, and follow him. And we do that as a way of feeding the spirit. We'll talk more about that just before we jump into this. But I want to take a moment and pray for you. We commissioned the check team. Let me commission you before we jump into this passage. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. We ask, oh Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And as we jump into this passage today, Lord, I I pray that whatever's going on in our world, that we would be able to just let that kind of fall to the side, that we would have an ability to hear from you today in a way that we could respond in faith to you, to feed the spirit, not the flesh, that we would repent and walk away from anything that would smack of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And Lord, that we would turn to you in feeding the Spirit. So be exalted, O Lord, and be lifted up. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanted to share uh, that with you to, to tell you this, that this particular passage is going to be under this umbrella this larger umbrella of what we would maybe refer to as peacemaking. So peacemaking. So what is a, a peacemaker? A general term, a peacemaker is someone who has received peace. They have been made right with God because Jesus died on the cross. He conquered sin and death. He rose from the grave, He gives life to anyone who would repent and follow him. They have received peace with God, and they're makers. They make peace. They live the gospel and they share the gospel. They're peacemakers. Now, I tell you that because sometimes uh, we get caught up and we become peace fakers. Maybe you know some peace fakers. Maybe sometimes you're a peace faker. I've received this grace from God and I'm going to pretend like nothing else is happening in my world. I pretend like that. That confrontation doesn't need to occur. I'm going to pretend like I don't need to share this peace with others. I'm just going to, I'm just going to fake it. And we become peace fakers. And sometimes that can grow and we, we can become more than that or we can respond differently. And we can become peace takers. Some of you know peace takers. They're the person that when they walk in the room, all the peace is gone. <laughs> it was just like their present sucks it out of the room. Like, how did you do that? That's your magic power. Uh, they, they walk in the room and suddenly everyone's on eggshells. Ugh, what if I don't say the right thing? What if I don't go about it the right way? I'm going to set this person off. Yeah, they've received peace, but they don't mind taking your peace away. And they become peacetakers. Well, Jesus has called us to be peacemakers the, the type of people who have received peace and share it with others in action. And indeed, and we're going to see that lived out in Romans chapter 14 in a unique way. But let me highlight just a couple of things as we go. Uh, Here's the first one in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says it this way, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, what does it mean to be called sons of God? Why didn't he say kids of God, children of God? Why does he say sons of God? Well, that had a specific meaning in those days. First of all, the implication is we're, we're by default not the sons of God. That there, there is a way of attaining, that, uh, uh, of attaining that, that that person who has received this peace, who also shares that peace with others, uh, they've become a son. So that means they're adopted. They're adopted into a family. Being adopted into a family, a son has an inheritance in the ancient world. And so, by implication, Jesus is saying, those peacemakers who have been adopted also get this inheritance. They are citizens of heaven. They belong to another kingdom. But also, they have been given to them eternal life. They've received something, right? This inheritance. Additionally, by implication, they are no longer of this world. They are of another world, the kingdom of God. And so Jesus wants us to know that that the peacemakers, they're blessed because they're called sons of God. They've received this peace. They give this peace to others. They have been adopted. They have inherited this eternal life. And they live under a different kingdom. Their ways are not lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But their ways are the ways of God. Jesus fleshes this out even more in John 17. This is Jesus' prayer. He says, I do not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about his disciples here. So anyone who has received Jesus as their Savior, Jesus was praying for you just before he went to the cross. Very literally. And he goes on to say this. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. For us to be these peacemakers, we live in this uh, unity. That's what the kingdom of God calls us to, which is different than the kingdom of the world, this kingdom of disunity that wants us to feed into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But there is a spiritual reality that the sons of God, these peacemakers, have. By the way... This is extended to men and women, this position. And so, let's take a moment and let's start to walk through this. Now, I want to tell you that I, I did something very purposefully today. And that is, instead of using the term Christian or believer, I chose to use the word the term peacemaker. Let me explain why. Uh, partly because the term believer or Christian has been handled by so many people and meant different things in different ways, I I wanted us to kind of look at it from a different angle. Uh, So that's part of the reason that I'm not using that. Secondly, the, the use of the term peacemaker can be applied to this passage in Romans chapter 14. That What is being talked about in Romans chapter 14 is what a peacemaker does. It's what the sons of God do, those who have inherited uh, this eternal life, who have been adopted into this family, who are under this new banner. So you'll hear me talk, uh, use the phrase peacemaker. Today, as we do, the implication is that is all who have surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ as their savior. So that's what we mean by that. And specifically, what we're talking about is that that peacemaker feeds the Spirit. So as we walk through this passage, you're going to see how the peacemaker feeds the Spirit. And firstly, they feed the Spirit and understand judgment. They feed the Spirit and understand judgment. Uh, Because this is one of those things that I hear all the time. A follower of Christ will say something, and inevitably, and sometimes even from another believer, another follower of Christ a phrase will be used like this, don't judge. Don't judge. Have you ever heard that? You ever said that? Don't raise your hand. Uh, but what does it mean? What does it mean, don't judge? Well, uh, Jesus has a little bit to say about this very thing. And we're going to get there in just a moment. Let's walk through the passage. As for the one who is weak in faith, that, that means that, that term can also be sick. So the person who isn't everything that they're supposed to be, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. I so bad want to get in the weeds and have a conversation about this, uh, <laughs> about why we should eat meat and not just vegetables. And, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to stay at the high view on this. And I'll just tell you there was some contention in the early church about this matter. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? one, of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. So we're we're talking about this issue of judgment, and Jesus has some things to say about it. And we often want to quote this passage, right? Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. Popular. Jesus says that. It's true. He also says in John 7, 24, uh, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Wait. On the one hand, don't judge. On the other hand, go ahead and judge. Uh, but do it rightly. So what is it? What are we supposed to do? Well, let me tell you, there, there are, uh, there's some clarity that we can gain. And more specifically, Christians have the ability to distinguish between, right? So it's not just don't judge, and it's not just judge. But there are, way, there are ways we're to do that. Uh, first of all, Christians are not to judge hypocritically. So the passage that we just shared... Uh, from Matthew 7, this is about judging hypocritically. Jesus says, uh, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? So Jesus says, You see the speck in another person's eye, you have keen ability. To identify specks, small, little things in other people, but you're missing the point. Like there is a log in your eye. And he goes on to say, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite or actor. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus isn't saying don't judge. He's saying don't judge hypocritically. Remove the log, and then you'll see clearly to help with the speck, because we're peacemakers. We've received peace, and we want to help make peace, and one of the ways that we do that is addressing our own sin, and then helping other people. Helping lovingly, graciously, but also in truth. Additionally, uh, uh, avoid passing judgment regarding someone's conviction. So there are some convictions. I'll... I'll go ahead and give you an example of that. Uh, sometimes uh, I like to fast. I, I, it's, a, it's a habit that I started a long time ago. And oftentimes when I fast is on Sunday nights to Mondays. That is just my conviction. That's where it works really well in, in my world. And I, I believe that it is a way for me to focus my attention on God in very specific ways. Also, My wife does not share that conviction. And Sunday night's popcorn and ice cream at my house. And sometimes my wife is like, so how's that fasting going? You know, Uh, legitimate, like she's not rubbing it in. She's just, you know, she's just living her best life. And uh, I, I share that to say that I have no problem with her doing that. And she has no problem with me doing that. These are convictions this isn't salvation. Like, we're, we're not, I'm not saying, well, you need Jesus and you need to be baptized three times this way. Like, that's not what I'm saying. She's not saying, well, you need to go to this church to really be saved. That's not what she's saying. That, it's different. She's talking about, we're talking about conviction. Uh, and we see that in, a little bit later on in Romans chapter 14. Uh, it goes about it this way. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or "'You, why do you despise your brother? "'For we will all stand before, his ju- before the judgment seat of God. "'For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, "'every knee shall bow to me, "'and every tongue shall confess to God. "'So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. "'Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer.'" but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So this idea of judging, okay, I'm not supposed to judge hypocritically and I'm not supposed to judge convictions, but there are some things that we are to judge. Christians are called to execute discernment and wisdom when it comes to evaluating, teaching uh, spirits and actions. So uh, let's look at that. First of all, in 1 Corinthians 2. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The natural person is the one who continually feeds the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what they're feeding. That is what's growing. They don't understand the Spirit. The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. In other words, the spiritual person is feeding the spirit and those that are, that are uh, of the flesh, they're, they're just not ultimately going to have judgment over the person who is feeding the spirit. Additionally, Christians are to exercise judgment in addressing sin within the church. We actually have a responsibility for that. I want to tell you as a pastor this is one of my least favorite things to do. Uh, I think that I speak for our elders and our pastors when I say that. If one of us has to have a conversation about sin with you, it's not because we're going, I can't wait. This is going to be so great. I'm going to get him. That's not, what, that's not our heart. That's not the intention. That's not the hope. But what the hope is is, is that we have removed this log out of our eye and we've seen a speck and gently, kindly, graciously, lovingly, we're helping to remove that speck so that we all can feed the spirit and grow in the Lord. That, that's our hope. That, that's the desire. So if that ever happens to you, please know the spirit that it's coming with. It is a spirit of love, but it's also something that we're commanded to do, so we're going to do it. 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 12 and following For what have I to do with judging outsiders, Paul is saying. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside the church. Everyone's going to stand before God. Purge the evil person from among you. So we have a responsibility to address sin within the church. Hey, there's grace and everyone is welcome here. And also, there should be movement towards God. And in moving towards God, there should be a feeding of the Spirit and not a feeding of the flesh. We can't enable and encourage the feeding of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But we are going to encourage a feeding of the spirit. Judge false teaching and prophets. We, we have a responsibility to do that. 1 John 4 1 says it this way. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we have a responsibility to identify, is this of God or is this not of God? Is it consistent with the word of God? Is this teaching consistent with the word of God? Is it consistent with the historical orthodox teaching of the church? If it is, praise the Lord. If it's not, we have a responsibility to call it out and say, nope, that's not okay. Uh, It's part of the reason that when we see the prosperity gospel, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, we say, oh, wait a minute. That that's not of God. That's not consistent with the word of God. The the gospel isn't that. So we want to see we want to apply that to teachings as well. Peacemakers feed the Spirit by honoring the Lord. So not just understanding judgment, but also honoring the Lord. Watch and see how this plays out in this next section. Starting in verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So again, what's happening is somebody said, well, there is one day that is extra special that we should spend time in, that we should sanctify, set apart, uh, that we should, it it should be treated differently than the other days. And, And the other person said, well, I think Jesus made all days holy. And so we're just going to treat every day as holy and set apart to God. His point is, whatever we do, it's to God. You'll see it as he plays it out here. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So again, in all things, it is to honor God. A phrase that we might use is consecration. In the things that we do... In the things that we say, the lives that we live are consecrated to God. They're set apart and given to God. So what is consecration? Con- consecration is just what I said. It's set something apart and to give it to the Lord. You might think of it in terms of the vessels in the temple. So the vessels that were used within the temple in the worship of God in uh, the first early first century and what we would see in the New Testament... Uh, These vessels, each item was consecrated to the Lord. And so it couldn't be used outside of the temple. And you might think, well, couldn't that be given to the poor when they were done with it? Well, it it could be. But really, the purpose of it was to serve the Lord uniquely and specifically. To consecrate that was to say it has one use. And the use that it has is for the Lord. To consecrate ourselves is to say... I have one use, and the use that I have is to serve the Lord. It's not to feed the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's to feed the spirit and the work of the Lord. A few months ago, I was here, and I shared with you something that God was doing in in my own heart, this constant calibration of, it it just seemed like I go, Lord, I I just really want to follow you with all my heart. I love you, Lord. You've done amazing things in my life, and... I keep messing it up. Help me. A friend of mine challenged me to daily consecrate myself to the Lord. To say, Lord, I recognize that I could do all of these things, but what I, what, what I was made to do is to serve you. And so I want to consecrate myself to you. And uh, some of you may have been here when we talked about this, but we, I, I do a consecration prayer daily, and I would like to share it with you. You may have a better consecration prayer. That's Wonderful. I would just encourage you to regularly revisit it and to say, okay, are the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm saying, the life that I'm living, is it consecrated to the Lord? Is it set apart for God? Or am I really feeding the flesh in these areas? But the prayer looks like this. I start, I say, Lord, I consecrate myself to you. I consecrate my mind to you that I would think on you all day. I consecrate my eyes to you that I would see you at work in me and through me and around me. Consecrate my nose to you, O Lord, that sin would smell like death and faith would be the aroma of Christ. Consecrate my ears to you, Lord, that I would hear you and obey. Consecrate my mouth to you, Lord, that I would taste and see that the Lord is good and that my words would be words of life. I consecrate my hands to you, Lord, that I would serve you in all things and that through me you would serve others. And I consecrate my feet to you, Lord, that where you go, I'll follow. Where you lead, I'll follow. I consecrate my life to you, O Lord that I would be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. And I got to tell you that I, I do that daily because I need to do that daily because it's so easy to go off course and to start feeding the flesh. Uh, you may want to consider that as well. Even more than that example, is that's Jesus' example. In the same prayer I mentioned earlier in John 17, Jesus prays this. He says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. The idea that plays this, plays this out in the larger context in Greek is that Jesus is regularly doing this, making sure that he doesn't get out of line. He is constantly and consistently separated for the use that God has called him to. That the father has called the son to and the son is obediently uh, following that purpose. He has consecrated himself, set himself apart for that specific work. And he does that as an example for us. That we too would recognize you've been created on purpose and with purpose and for purpose. Additionally, peacemakers feed the spirit by filtering their decisions. So the decisions that we make need to be filtered. Uh, They need to be filtered in such a way that we recognize what is really important. What is really important is that one day we're going to stand in front of God. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. By the way, that's God's judgment seat. It's not my judgment seat. It's not your judgment seat. It's God's judgment seat because he is the judge, the ultimate judge. For it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So we recognize that every person is going to stand in front of God. Every person is going to give an account. Therefore, it may behoove us to pause and to consider some things before we start making decisions. Over the course of the last 20 plus years, I've I've tried to come up with some questions to ask myself. And to be completely honest, um, sometimes that has been very purposeful and sometimes it's been more accidental. So over the course of the last week, I tried to identify kind of those top 10 questions that I use. You may want to use these. You, You may want to use all 10 of them. Great. You may... We only want to use a few of them. That's great. Uh, You may have some additional ones, some better ones. That's great. The point is purposefully discern what God is calling us to do and not flippantly going into the decisions that we make. You may want to take pictures of these. You may want to go onto our app, go to the notes, and you'll find this list there. But here are the questions. The first one. Does this decision align with God's word and principles? So the decision that I'm about to make, does it align with God's word and principles? Have I, have I been following the word of God close enough that I could be able to know that I'm this decision is in line with God's word and the principles there? Am I seeking to obey God and honor God in this choice? In other words, am I feeding the spirit or really am I feeding the flesh? Second, Does this decision reflect love for God and love for others? So the decision that I'm making, is it really about honoring God and honoring others? Or is it feeding the flesh? Will it promote unity, edification, and the well-being of those around me? Third, does this decision involve exercising self-control and avoiding sinful behavior? Will it lead me closer to holiness and righteousness in Christ? Fourth, Does this decision consider the impact on my spiritual growth and relationship with God? Is it just something I want to do? Or uh, does this have the ability to grow in Christ? Give me the ability to grow in Christ. If so, how? Will it draw me closer to him, deepening my faith and help me to grow in Christlikeness? Fifth, does this decision prioritize the kingdom of God over worldly pursuits? So what that's going to mean is that it's going to come at a sacrifice at minimum. One of the identifiers of God's kingdom is it's sacrificial. It's going to cost us something. We may have to give up something that is actually really close to us uh, for us to be able to make this decision in a godly way. Does it advance God's purpose and bring glory to him? Does this decision consider the potential stumbling block it may create for others. Uh, I especially appreciate this one because I often overlook it. Uh, this, this would be one of my blind spots where, hey, let's do this. Yeah, it's going to be great. Did you ever think about the consequences of this one? Uh, do you ever, did you ever think about how that's going to affect these people? Yeah, they'll, they'll catch on. No, that's not ours. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, may mean, it may mean that we're not going to do that. It most likely means that we need to have some conversations. And then once those conversations are are had, once the discussion has taken place, generally we're able to move forward. Seven, does this decision reflect humility and a willingness to submit to God's will? Am I seeking God's guidance and surrendering my own desires? Or Am I doing what I want to do, and I'm just covering it up, right? Like, I think God's leading me to do this. Uh, no, I don't know that God is leading you to feed the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That doesn't sound like God. We need to be wise. Eight, does this decision consider the long-term consequences and its alignment with God's ultimate plan? Will it have lasting effects that align with God's purposes and bring about his good? Nine. Nine. Does this decision involve seeking wise counsel and guidance from mature believers? Again, that is a great question to ask when making a decision. Have have I sought others? Is there someone who's discipling me that I've had a conversation with? And am I willing to submit to a decision that is made by somebody else? That's a good identifier if I'm walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. 10. Does this decision involve relying on the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance? In other words, uh, am I growing in Christ by making this decision? These are questions that we have to make or have to ask. Uh, As we say, you know what, as a peacemaker, as someone who has received peace, who gives peace to others, as someone who wants to follow the Lord with all my heart, uh, we have to recognize that we're going to feed the Spirit when we Practice judging in a biblical way. We're going to feed the spirit when we honor the Lord and consecrate ourselves to Him. We're going to feed the Lord, or we're going to feed the spirit uh, when we're sure that uh, we're discerning God's plan. This is a good time for us to transition into communion, and at this time, uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward as we are specifically saying, uh, what, "What are we feeding?" Communion is a time for us to recognize if we're feeding the flesh or feeding the spirit. First of all, communion is for the believer, the follower of Christ, the peacemaker, the one that has been given peace and extends peace to others. Not just that, but also we're called as believers to to check, to evaluate our hearts. Is there any sin that needs to be addressed? Have I been not judging because I thought that was biblical. Or have I been judging in ways that are not biblical? If so, then there's repentance that's needed. Are we honoring the Lord with our lives? If, if not, then repentance is needed. Are, are we discerning God's plan and walking with him in it? If not, then repentance is needed. At Friendship, we have open communion, meaning that you don't have to be a member of Friendship Church, but you do need to be a member of Christ's body by submitting to him as Lord and Savior. If that is you, then this is what we would uh, ask you to do during this time is to take some time to evaluate. When you have freedom in Christ, you can get up and and get both the bread and the cup and return to your seat. And after this next worship song, uh, we'll worship together and we'll participate together in communion. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, Almighty God, because you are indeed good all the time. And so we ask today, Lord, that you would move in our hearts and in our lives, that you would help us, Lord, to feed the spirit, not the flesh, that Holy Spirit, you would convict us and help us to surrender our will to your will, that by the power of the resurrection, the spirit that you've given all who call on you, we would be these type of peacemakers, that feed the Spirit. Be exalted, O Lord, and be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.